Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. And surprisingly, we even drink a little wine while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch. Nuh-uh. I know. All right. And I'm Julie Glenn. It is the holiday season, and I can't think of a more quintessential wine than something that has Bubbles and my dear friend brought a big bag of bubbles. Oh, I, I felt like Santa Claus. She, it was the best kind of Santa. <laughs> I know. Champagne, cava, prosecco, sparkling wine, all and any of it. Please just put it right here in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Ho ho ho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we are both hoes for the bubbles. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's not so, a bad thing. There, there are differences though. You know, right? There's different size of bubbles, different mm-hmm. places that they're made, different style, and all that kind of stuff. So you brought a whole big bag, and you brought Cremant. I did. You know, we all know Champagne, right? Champagne is the region in France where this particular sparkler comes from. A lot of people just randomly say Champagne when they talk about sparkling wine. bubbles. You do it to a Frenchman? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that makes me oh, more mad yeah. when you see like some domestic sparkling thing for like eight ninety nine on the bottom shelf in a one point five liter and it says champagne. champagne. <laughs> I just want to kick it. I just want to kick it right <laughs> off that shelf. Um, but yeah, so, so mm-hmm. I turned my nose up to champagne this time, not for any particular reason. We know that's the mothership. That's that's the the wh- where the bar is set. Mm-hmm. But it also can be quite expensive, and there's so many other great sparkling wines from all over the world, including France. And I thought I'd bring in a couple of Cremant. Yeah, today well, as well from France. I love Cremant de anything. Mm-hmm. And it's usually Cremant de whatever region it's Where from. Where it's from, right. Th- where's this one from? Uh, the first one we're, we're doing is Cremant de Alsace. Alsace. It's an Alsatian wine. Alsace, uh, no. potato, potato, Alsace, Alsace. 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 I've heard mm-hmm. somebody say Alsace or Alsace. And I was like, <laughs> what? Um, no, but this is a region way up north, very cold, lots of uh, cold climate grapes, similar mm-hmm. to Champagne. And whenever there's a uh, indication on a French sparkler that says cremant duh that means that it's using the method champenoise which means the yes. secondary fermentation is happening in the bottle which is the traditional way it's so, elegant it has a, a different quality from some of the other methods which we'll try later yeah yeah the the, uh, yeah, the other kinds yeah prosecco mm-hmm. being the the one so um the, in in Alsace, you have uh, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Noir. You have Riesling. You have Pinot Gris. Yeah, all those all those cool weather guys that kind of lend themselves pretty well to a sparkling wine. Anyway, now all the Cremant uh, des, um, the Cremant d'Alsace rosés are made from 100% Pinot Noir. You know, there are a bunch of different uh, rules in France. And so if you get one from this region and it says rosé, you know it's 100% Pinot Noir. The rest, oh. the white, is more of a, the blend, like you said. And that's what we have in our hand right now. And um, this one is from Albert Mann. And it's an extra brute. I guess we could talk about how the, the bubbles are lately. Yeah. Oh, man. Albert Mann. <laughs> um, I haven't even had a sip yet and I'm already acting I'm silly. I'm just in such a good mood. Something I'm just about, being in the room with uh, us. Yeah, I know, right? It does something to you. So this is from a dry, sunny climate. The vineyard slopes have a lot of sun and um, different geological things that make them special. Um, and this guy has been making some good wines for 
a long time. This one has Pinot Blanc, and it does have some Pinot Noir in there. And what is that other one? Ozeroy. Uh, Ozeroy, thank you. Mm-hmm. When I look at how some things are written, then it blows the pronunciation out of the water. I just have to know it in my brain. But anyway, that's what we're drinking. This uh, Cremant is under $30. So you think about a champagne. You're uh, around 50 right? Uh, no, this is this is a, a oh, champagne. A champagne would yes. be around 50 Yeah, of this of this type. But when you're quality, in, I should say. Yeah, but it, when you're in like the thirty dollar range, then you can have a bag of bubbles. But mm-hmm. when you're in Champagne Land, a bag of bubbles is a little bit lighter. Yeah, you have you <laughs> have fewer bottles a purse with one in it. <laughs> yeah, a clutch, <laughs> a little clutch handbag. Now, so this one to me has a lot of. It's, it's not as yeasty as some of the champagnes. It's got um a lot of uh like that sour apple. Yeah, and um, some nice acidity. This will cut through a nice cheese plate. It's got a Granny Smith action going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great with some cheese. Mm-hmm. Some nice, um, my kind of cheese, which is the triple cream. I'm all about stinky. that. Stinky. You like stinky cheese, too, don't I you? Yeah, a little stinky, but not too stinky. Mm-hmm. I've had one that was so stinky, I had to send my wine glass back. Oh. Oh, it was bad. It was foul. <laughs> yeah, it was nasty. <laughs> but um, but that's just, you know, personal tra- taste and preferences. Mm-hmm. So these have very um, small little bubbles, so that's good. I think what your your goal is to have smaller bubbles, right? Th- that's the finesse of it, yes. Yeah. The tiny bubbles, tiny bubbles. Yes, Don Ho. Mm-hmm. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> We've already been <laughs> bubble hoes a minute ago. <laughs> oh, wow. The, the underlying theme. Yeah, Mary, Mary Happy, everything. Mm-hmm. So this one, uh, I would say, uh, again, is um, one of those nice tart, acidic wines yeah. that it, it's not going to break the budget. By the way, we will post photos of all of these bottles uh, on our social media site so yeah. you can check them out and, and go search them out wherever you buy your uh, sparkling wines from. I got to say that these bubbles are not incredibly persistent in the mouth. You know what I mean? You it know falls how, off a little. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, from what I remember um, from a master sommelier who was telling me the correct way to try these, to try bubbles, mm-hmm. is to kind of push the bubbles against the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, there's like, with this one, there's nothing there. Not not a lot of fizz. Yeah. yeah it didn't really uh, stick with it. Now, this was shipped to me. You know, sometimes things get uh, shaken around in storage but uh, or in shipping, but, uh, but, but I think it's a... Probably a fairly good representation. Of, hey, I'm of not what saying it is. that I'm going to throw it out. No, I'm not either. I'm drinking this stuff. <laughs> we also have a Cremant de Lemieux, Lemieux, and I am particularly fond of wines from Languedoc and from Lemieux, um, especially the, the. This is in the south of France. Again, we've got a lot of uh, a warmth and sunlight in this region, and uh, Gerard Bertrand, who I've got a crush on, is um, sure. <laughs> upon whom Gina has a huge crush. Yes, he is a leader in producing uh, sparkling wines in this area and just uh, just wines in general. This one that we have is called um, Thomas Jefferson. And to- when this is a little bit of history, I know you like history, when Thomas Jefferson's cellar was exposed or gone through, the only sparkling wines he had were the ones from Lemieux. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting. He was a fan. He was a big fan. He was quite the collector too. So this is where this is where sparkling wine is thought to have begun, and it was at a at some monks. What they had done was um, they discovered that the still wines that they had laid down in the winter were lightly sparkling when they came back to drink them the following spring. So 150 years later, a Benedictine monk named 
Dom Perignon, st- allegedly, this is the, this allegedly, is the legend, this stayed is the legend, here. Yeah. And he says, oh, I understand what's happening. So he went back to Champagne. And of course, it was different there because the climate was different. It was yeah. colder. And um, so started doing the, 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 the fermentation, the secondary fermentation there. And that's why uh, he gets credit for champagne. Yeah, he gets a lot of credit for that. But I really feel like this is one of those things that was a spontaneous thing that happened in uh, different probably, places. Probably, yeah. You know, um, there are a lot of different things in, in food and um, probably also in wine history uh, and beverage history that things happened at about the same time as we've evolved as, you know, little animals that make our food <laughs> <laughs> and store it away right? <laughs> um, that happen in different places. Like they think that pasta happened in Asia, but it also happened um, in uh, northern Africa at the same time. They don't think that Marco Polo actually went over and discovered Pasta oh, in Asia. That's, are you sure? Well, the <laughs> first kidding. it's true story because the first. No, I get it. Yep. Yeah, but the first uh, recipes in Italy that talked about pasta predated his travels. So okay, it was already in Italy. Got it. You know, so but there are a lot of things that just kind of happen at the same time. Anyway, way off the track there. That's but all right. I'm going to tell you this smells great. Oh man! So and this is a pink one. This is a rosé, and and here's another a law in France. You weren't they were not making rosé in Lemieux until 2006. Oh, it's, it's new then. They're, yes, they're making more the Blanc de Blanc, and and um, you know the Mozart grape is a big deal there, and you know you either love it or hate it. It's got a very distinct uh, characteristic. Um, this one has some Chardonnay, some Chenin Blanc, and some uh, some Pinot Noir as well in there. Um, so it's it's a pretty cool wine, and it comes in at under twenty dollars. Under twenty bucks, this would be pretty impressive. Well, actually, this has Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, and Pinot Noir. That's the that's gotcha. the mix for this current vintage. So I wonder if we're going to that get is non vintage, in- by the way. <laughs> actually, no, this is two thousand sixteen. Hey, a vintage Lemieux. Hey, yeah, Check you let, out. Let me keep not reading the the label and, and talking. Is there, <laughs> is, do you get much of that Chenin Blanc floral action here at all? Oh. Mm-hmm. Little, a tad bit. Little bit is definitely acidic, and this one to me has a better mouthfeel. It's I get that more of that sparkly dancing on my tongue, and yeah. there's some more layers in it. I get a little more fruit. It's mm-hmm. not quite as acidic, and um, it's a lovely wine. I could I could drink this one all day, yeah. all day and all night. Which don't be afraid to do, by the way. You know, some sparkling wines. Um, some of them, going back to champagne, are so yeasty and big that you can they could stand up to uh, an entree. It yeah. Doesn't have to be an aperitif or a digestif or. We've anything. been to some wine dinners mm-hmm. where they've had multiple courses all paired mm-hmm. with champagnes, and it's stood up stood up really well to some very big, huge courses. So. Um, another thing to maybe talk about is uh, glass usage. Right. Uh, oh, also, and when you said go ahead and keep on drinking your bubbles all day long, uh, usually bubbles tend to have a little bit less in the way of alcohol percentage sometimes. Okay. So you're lower. saying I won't get as uh, tipsy if I drink them all day long? Well, you probably still get tipsy. Also, you also remember to eat and drink a lot of water. Okay. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So, so like, they all have different... Um, Alcohol by volume. This one is 12.5, which is a little high from the Cremant Alsace that we just had the first one. Now we're going to move on to Prosecco, which is uh, having a, gosh, it is, the numbers. We've talked about this prior, how the numbers and sales have skyrocketed skyrocketed in the U.S. and around the world immensely. uh, Huge in Great Britain. Yeah, and and one of the reasons is because of its 
um, low price. Uh, we've got one here, and it's a DOC, and it's under $15. Um, one of the reasons it is low in price is because it doesn't take up the real estate. It doesn't take as long to make. Mm. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole uh, process of getting the bubbles is completely different from the other ones that we've tried. Yes, yeah, the Charmant method, which right. is a, a, a tank-added uh, uh, bubbles, uh, CO2, just pressed right in there. So um, we're going to, a lot of people don't know how to open uh, bubbles. I love hearing the cork pop. Anytime I hear that pop, I know there's a party or mm-hmm. a celebration, even if it's just hanging out uh, around the pool because we're celebrating life and we're celebrating friends and, you know, celebrating whatever. But technically, you're not really supposed to hear that pop. It's supposed to be like a like a kiss, yeah. right? Yep. So the way to do it is you turn that you you take the cage uh, the the foil off. You keep your finger on the cage because sometimes these things are wily. Yeah, sometimes they get a little loosey goosey on you. I've had it happen. I had two, and it scares the bejesus out of me. I know, it just, just flies off. I know. So um, turn the the cork is, or turn the the cage. It's about seven turns. That's yeah, about average. Six six, six and a half. So yeah, yeah, it I, just depends on how I'm going to try to do it properly. And you, you try to do a little kissy you one. You hold the you hold the cork. And turn the bottle, and why? why you see you're, you're scrunching I'm, I'm up your cringing. face. I'm cringing. I'm cringing because I just oh, that was a good little right. poof. A little poof. That was a nice one. Thank you. Good job. So you gotta be you gotta be patient with it. And if it pops, that's okay. You know, don't let anyone say, "Oh, you didn't do that right." Because when I hear that like, pop, then I get out my Woo-hoo! saber. Then I'm getting the saber <laughs> out, and you're gonna see something happen. Oh my goodness, we should do a whole a whole thing on sabering. I um, <clears throat> did that once successfully with you Prosecco. You didn't cut a finger off or anything? I did not, but it was the dullest knife in the world oh. because I was scared to death. And then you, you lose most of the Prosecco anyway. And, and of course, I'm not going to do it with out. champagne. Give me no, a break. Come on. Heck no. So, <laughs> so we have this. You know, so you are, uh, you're the Italian gal, and I know yeah. that it's kind of your jam. This is Ruggeri. It's a DOC. They've been, it's a family-run operation. Um, they've been doing this for, gosh, since... The 1950s, I believe they've been making Prosecco here. Yeah. Um, and when you think of Prosecco, the main grape is Galera. Mm-hmm. It, it is a regional or an indigenous grape. Is that proper mm-hmm. for the area? Yeah. It's, it's the main grape. And Prosecco, this is another one of those where it kind of happened that it got cold, fermentation stopped, and then warmed back up as they were you know, letting their wine rest. And then uh, the bottom started popping off the bottom of the bottles because they weren't using the huge glass because they hadn't realized that the secondary fermentation was happening and bubbles were were happening. So that's that's kind of the experience of a lot of people in their wine cellars in the Prosecco area. This is easy drinking. It doesn't have um, (laughs) – I don't don't get any toasty yeasty action. No toasty yeasty at all, but it's – I, I see why it's so popular, you know, for people at brunches and lunches and, and even to – I'm not going to be mad if you put a little juice in there, like a yeah. little fruit nectar, because it, it just – it lends itself to that because it does have a, this nice different fruity quality to it. You know what I've noticed is available in grocery stores a lot more readily what? is those different nectars, like mango nectar mm-hmm. and peach nectar. Mm-hmm. You see it around a lot more than you used to, and that is so much more interesting to me than a um, – uh, orange juice. Yeah, you can do that anytime. Orange, yeah. Oh, I love orange juice, but mimosas you get all the time. Yeah. They're everywhere. A nice little peach action would be great. Peach, oh, yeah. Peach or even mango in the tropical part of the world. Is that why you think Bellinis are, um, you know, with, when you do the peach, do you think it's because the Prosecco is... Uh, lends itself more to that? I'm just Now I'm just thinking about when you said peach and, and the Bellinis in yeah, Venice I, I, and Italy and, yeah. you know, where it all... Harry's Bar. Harry's Bar, yep. 
Yep. Been there. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was a very expensive Bellini, though. <laughs> I had one, and I was like, really? Listen, everything in Venice is, is pretty expensive, especially now. You're, you're right. You're totally well, correct. Makes me sad to see that water keep coming in, but that's another yeah. topic for another day. Definitely. So what do you think about this Prosecco, this Rugari? Um, I think Rugari. it's good. It's very uh, clean, very mm-hmm. refreshing. Definitely not heavy completely like you can drink this like <coughs> sparkling water. Look at you. Oops. Just blowing it up. How did that happen? Um, Another one's opened. <laughs> you know, the um, Val d'Albieren, that area mm-hmm. uh, where the DOCG Prosecco comes from, this year was added to the UNESCO list of World Heritage Spaces. Nice. Yeah. Apparently, um, there's a Prosecco Drive, and apparently there's a... Uh, really, what? A Prosecco Drive? Well, there's like a little highway that goes right through all these beautiful vineyards, and apparently um, a lot of the Prosecco producers have been much more active about setting up their tasting rooms to be more welcoming. Mm-hmm. So it's not... So it's a little bit more user-friendly for tourists as opposed to trying to figure out where the heck you're at. I and love that idea. I want to take the Prosecco drive I'm all day it. long. It's going to happen. I'm going to back it up and go back forward. Back it up. Go I know. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keep traveling that road. What? I think it's a little windy, but... Um, okay. Let's I'll also, get a driver. Let's talk about also glassware yes. when, we're t- when we're doing sparkles. We are using uh, our regular average everyday glass, which can, like an all-purpose kind of a glass... Which I've heard a lot of uh, sommeliers prefer that because it has a wider, you know, more accessible to the nose kind of a way to, to get into there and yeah, get into the, the bouquet. You're wanting to smell the fruit and, and experience it that way, but it also, the bubbles dissipate faster. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about the first one. We tried the Cremant d'Alsace, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't... The bubbles did dissipate in that faster, and I, I don't know if we had had it in a flute, if that would have changed it mm-hmm. or not. You also brought in these little plastic the Govino, uh, Govino and, and on <laughs> it, I love what it says, save water, drink Prosecco. So I've been going back and forth tasting from this and from the glass, and, and you're right, it does make a difference. Um, it depends on what you want. I love to see the bubbles travel up the flute. To me, it's fun. Um, you but like as a tall a, flute? Yeah, but as a wine connoisseur... I also yeah. appreciate the glass. I am a complete plebe when it comes to this, and I love those 1950s styles mm. coupes. I knew you were going to go there. I I'm love like, those what about saucers? the coupes? Yeah. I just love. I just think they're so cool looking, but they probably would be better for cocktails. Uh, probably, but you know. Yeah. Let's go to California, shall we? California. Yes. So Sterling Vineyards is doing a uh, doing some sparkling, and for the holidays, they have this really cool packaging. It looks aluminum. It looks um it really shiny, does. and it looks festive. It looks like it, rose gold. You it know does. how rose gold is super popular yeah. in all things, yeah. and it looks like something I want under my Christmas tree or in my stocking. Um, so this one, it's it's again, it's a metallic packaging. Uh, I brought in the Sterling uh, Vineyards sparkling rosé. Uh, some of these were sent to me by the vineyards and by PR and marketing folks, just to let everybody know where we, we pick these up at. Uh, this is in the $20 range, so we're, we're staying in that affordable range. Um, and it's just a beautiful, looks like salmon. The The color looks a little salmon-ish to me. It does. It's really kind of almost um, borderline orange And there are coral. some really good bubbles. It's, Tiny it's, little guys. It's moving in there. Yeah. Really, really delicate bubbles. So, um, oh, that smells nice. Yes. That's very uh, per- perfumey fragrant mm. with like the teeniest. It's super perfumey. But with the teeniest little bit of the um, champagne yeasty thing. Not champagne. It doesn't smell like it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that little. Oh, well, the, I think the French like to call it brioche or biscuit. There we go. I was uh, in champagne once and I and I said bread dough or, or yeasty and the, and, the, and the dude looked at me and he says, biscuit. 
You should be like, it's like pizza dough. I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, I might. So you're right, biscuit. <laughs> and it's true. It's either way, but people are particular when they're making the wines about how they are described. I like. It. I think it's good. I could totally drink. I'm this not all kicking day. it out of bed. No, nope. I'm not kicking it off my table or out of my glass. Um, they have a lot of tiny little bubbles though. Mm-hmm. Definitely good. Mm. But I love. I enjoy these, this a lot. I, I like that these are priced in a way that mm-hmm. people can. Uh, you know, get more than one bottle. Right. And that's one of the reasons why we, we brought these in today. And, and and that being said, the next one we're going to is the most expensive one on the list. But um, it's one that's very low uh, quantity. It is from Oregon. Yay! So, you know, I always think, um, I know you've been to, have you been to, to Willamette, damn it? No, I've never even been to the state of Oregon. I went there many years ago, and one of the things I kept asking people, and I already knew the answer, but it was like, have all this beautiful uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Why aren't more producers doing bubbles? Mm -hmm. Because that is, you know, those are the the three main grapes in in Champagne. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Those are like the the kings. The trifecta. The trifecta, right. And Oregon has three of them, and um, and it was... it boils down to real estate and expense. Yeah. I don't have the the uh, uh, storage capacity, and I don't want to wait four or five years for it to be ready to be released when I do it properly. Completely different bottling line situation yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there, there's it's quite an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's not an already existing market that you're going to be going into, you're going to have to kind of invent it. But So I can see how it would be tough. It would be kind of like a passion project. And we've talked to a few winemakers, Mm -hmm. Morgan, here that for them it is a passion project. So there's not going to be a whole lot of production. You know, you're not going to see, you know, pallets and pallets and pallets of this stacked up at your uh, local grocery. I believe this is only the second year they've made the Grand Moraine. And you have to get it through the winery. So this is one. The other ones uh, are a pretty good bet that you're going to be able to find um, locally. This one you're going to have to call ahead. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you can you get me a bottle and it's in the fifty dollar range? Mm-hmm. So now and it's and it, again it's a rosé. So let's see how it's tasting back to back with some of these other rosés. I didn't really mean to bring in all rosés. It just kind of happened that way, which I guess is good because it's more apples and apples. Yeah, but it's also kind of like a sign of the times. The world is going nuts about rosé. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, this is like a really pale salmon color as well. Yeah, but I mean, people are very much into rosé. So, mm-hmm. oh, and the bubbles are on this are just beautiful. They're Aren't just they cute? Look at they're there. just going nuts. Yeah, still yeah. sitting there. Got mm-hmm. a solid quarter inch of bubbles. This would be one of those overflowers. Hey, how do you gauge that? So you're filling up a flute, and the bubbles are going nuts, and you mm-hmm. know it's gonna. How do you? At what point do you pull back so you don't overflow? Um, I guess for me, if it's, I just pour, I think of pouring a third or a quarter of a glass to begin with. Mm-hmm. And see how and it just acts. just stop then. Yeah. Because you go any further, you don't want it to. And and another tip too is, and I know in the sommelier people will, will not be happy because you want to reach over and do a slow pour. But for me, I pick up the glass and tilt it kind of like you do a beer. <laughs> yeah, you know? when you're at a kegger. You know. Yeah, and just let it go down slowly when I'm at my house because then I, I feel like I don't lose the bubbles and I don't get that fizz as much. Mm-hmm. It's, I've, uh, one of the things I hate when I go and I see a by-the-glass pour on bubbles is somebody pour it in one of those little carafes mm-hmm. and then pour it on my glass. I'm like, no, I just lost bubbles. You just yeah. you just like diffuse twice of I mean. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's, I don't a, it's like, a flute. You know how far to pour it. Just pour it. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the little carafe measuring thing that they bring out to you. Like they're proving to you that you're actually getting six ounces or nine ounces. Yeah, or whatever. They're either proving to you or their bosses. They're proving it to their boss that they're not cheating them out of uh, a heavy pour. You well, know, it, it goes just, both it seems ways. Like wasteful. You know, now you got to do the dishes. You got a exactly. whole other thing to clean. I agree. Ugh, yeah. But I mean, there are people when you serve, and we've talked about this too, glass size. When you serve a proper glass, a big glass, and someone comes in and they're used to a small by the glass pour that's up to the rim, they're going to think they're being cheated. Mm-hmm. What? That's not even that's not even halfway. No, because halfway would be half the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And people are not shy about complaining when they think they're getting a short change, especially when it comes to wine and especially when it comes to bubbles, especially after they've taken the first sip and they decide they like it. Then right. they really want it full. But what do you think of this one? This has something really unique in the finish to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, by the way, how's your palate going? Um, it seems to like bubbles a lot better. I love it. Than anything if else. You're, if you haven't listened to um, some of uh, our recent shows, um, Julie's undergoing some... Some chemotherapy and it's affected her. Well, the radiation is ac- actually what affected your yeah. The taste oncologist buds. said that it was the radiation that impacted the taste buds, but they're coming back. My right. f- my food stuff. I'm now no longer on just a toddler diet. Yeah. of all comfort foods, um, and uh, my taste for wines come back. I don't really want wine a whole lot for whatever reason. That's okay because it just kind of doesn't seem like something I really want. But I can taste it now. Well, that just means your body doesn't need it at the time because you're doing other things. But I'm just, we just had a normal show. Like you're tasting things like normal and and all of a sudden it hit me and I thought, wow, how, congratulations. I'm good. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Becoming whole again. Yes. But this Grand Moraine is really cool. I mean, it just has some different layers of flavors and fruits that are. It mm. it reminds me of like a a nice pink wedding cake for some reason. Mm. I don't know why, but it doesn't taste sweet like cake. But um, so, yeah, we went over a few of the the big dogs. um, And then another one not to forget, especially coming into um, the need to have lots of wine around for people uh, season is Cava. Cava. Our good buddy Cava. I love me some Cava. It comes from Spain. Yep. It's also Method Champenoise, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's that's always a good one to uh, just have in, in your back pocket. Just get a few extras. Those and, and again, to me, I mean, they're price wise similar to Prosecco, but sometimes even cheaper, mm-hmm. but sometimes more. Depends on the producer, right? Um, but yeah, it's kind of in that like category. But you're going to have smaller bubbles than Prosecco. But Prosecco is just so easy going. It it's is like easy. having sparkling water around. Ugh. Almost. I have a case of kava sitting by my front door. Mm-hmm. So when I'm going out to a party or an event and I don't have something to... to something specific? Yeah. I was like, put it in a bag and see ya. It's so easy. a good idea. Mm-hmm. Sparkle on in this uh, holiday season. No matter what holiday you're celebrating, we hope you have a great one. And be sure to have plenty of sparkling on hand. And Buy I hope extra. you like some of these ideas. Definitely. Yeah. And Cremant, anything in France is usually a pretty good... Mm. I haven't had a bad one. I have... Well... Have you had a bad one? No, I haven't had a bad one. I've had a not so uh, memorable one, but it still was not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I have had bad kava, but I've had really good kava too. And I've had really forgettable Prosecco, but I've also had really good Prosecco. So. And Bubbles, remember, they are good for everything from the minute you walk in the door to your appetizers, to your dessert, to your main course. They go with anything that's salty and, and fatty and, 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 and fruity and everything in between, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they cut through some fat. And uh, it's just it's good to have around. Just Ghetto fabulous. Them. I like a bag of chips. 
Oh, yeah, potato chips and, and sparkling and anything, sparkling yes. wine. Oh, my gosh. And fried chicken. Right, let's go to the vending machine. Yeah, no kidding. Or, or KFC. <laughs> <laughs> Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Callaghan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music presentes by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or call the Grape Line and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number, 707 Thanks for listening.